In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, folks, who can tell me what's the difference between procurement and purchasing? Now, if you are to answer, well, they're basically the same thing, then you would be... Incorrect. According to, uh, according to a website called, <laughs> and I can't believe I didn't think of naming my website this, but it's called kissflow.com. Yes, you heard that right. Kissflow. Um, and I don't think they mean a flow of kisses. I think, uh, I'm going to guess, and I haven't looked at anything else on this website yet. I'm just looking at this one page, but I'm, I'm thinking it's the old kiss, you know, they, they keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, so, so fl- some, something to do with the simplicity of workflows here would be, is what I'm going to guess. But anyway, um, I'm not going to find out because it will take too long. Uh, but there is an article here. What's the difference between procurement and purchasing? And of course, they, uh, they do highlight here that the two are often mistaken for the same thing. But um, if you ask somebody who is a procurement officer of a large enterprise, uh, according to the folks at kissflow.com, you will get a significant, significantly, easy for me to say, longer answer as to how... There's a world of difference between purchasing and procurement. So, um, and in fact, what we have right here, uh, I scroll down a little bit, and there is a there's a nice diagram. The left side of it is all blue, and the right side of it is all pink. And uh, the blue side is titled procurement, and the right side is titled purchasing. And lo and behold, there are twice as many boxes on the blue side as the pink side. So clearly procurement is a much bigger, um, more involved process. It's a lot more thing. You know, the purchasing thing is sort of like, yeah, like somebody gives you a PO, you do the processing, right? You Like you, you create the PO, you process the payment, et cetera. But the procurement uh, bit is, uh, there's a lot more in it. You know, there's like, like identifying needs and researching things and looking at KPIs and margins and building relationships with your suppliers and da da da. da. Now, uh, the reason I'm, the reason I want to get to this, or the reason, the reason I did just get to this is because what we're going to get to in today's exciting episode of the Oil and Gas Digital Doers podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil and Gas Global Network by our very good friends at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Now you've heard me talk about HPE before. I think we we should we should be at the point where nobody's confused about about HP being that company that you go down to Best Buy and you buy your laptop. HPE Hewlett Packard Enterprise is is the company that's got. The industrial strength, the global scale technology and uh, capabilities that that can uh, can be the foundation for all of these great digital ambitions that you have. They do have this concept of everything as a service, and I can tell you that the. That is the way to go. And there's also this thing called HPE GreenLake. So if you're if you are in the business at all of dealing with any sort of uh, edge computing and operational environments, then you got to have a look at HPE GreenLake. There are some great success stories 
uh, about companies and what they've done with GreenLake. In fact, there may be one of them coming up very soon here on this program. But I can't really talk about them. I'm not at liberty, but I'm sure that if you talk to the folks at HPE, they will tell you about it. So we love working with them. They're great friends of OGGN, good friends of the oil and gas industry. They will do everything they can to help you. And as I always say, without our sponsors here at OGGN, uh, well, we, we love them because without them, there is no us. And so please show our sponsors some love. Now, today's episode, oh, this and this whole thing about purchasing and, and procurement, um, uh, the reason why I, I brought that up is because uh, obviously we're going to be talking about procurement today. But one of the things that sometimes people don't really appreciate is in, in, a, in a business and in an industry as complex as this one, right? Each company, um, and it doesn't matter whether it's big companies, small companies, the, the whole, everything that goes into identifying and buying all the things that are needed along the value chain between all the different companies that need to sell them or buy them or, or, and, you know, and, 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 and let's not, let's not, uh, uh, forget that not only do a whole bunch of companies need to sell stuff, but a whole bunch of companies need to buy stuff or else this whole thing breaks down. And that has been notoriously, historically, infamously, um, you know, kind of a, a pain point for everybody involved. And it's because the industry is so big and complex and the operations are so, uh, so involved. And, and, uh, and, and so, and so the good news is that there is good news and that there are people who, uh, along with all the other fun things that we are doing uh, under the banner of digital transformation, there are people who are bringing digital transformation to this part of the business as well. And that will come as a huge relief to a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of places. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the OGGN Spotlight, Nicholas Wright and Tarek Aluri. And that does get us to our guests today. I am here with, uh, well, not technically not here. We are in the remote configuration today because we are in completely uh, different uh, time zones. But I'm here with Tarek Alaruri, who is a co-founder of a company called Fair Market. And he's uh, beaming in from uh, New York, I think. I forgot to verify that, but we'll come back to that in a second. And also, also Nicholas Wright from BP, who is... Uh, who is uh, joining from somewhere somewhere two hours west of London, if I if I remember clearly? So, guys, thanks for thanks for making time. And I know this is uh, not is the the time zones are awkward, so I appreciate you guys making time to do this. So let's start with uh, let's start with a little bit about about who you are. So, Tarek, um, I, you know, I, I have to confess that sometimes I try to do a little bit more homework on people before they come on and I didn't really have time to do it with you. So, so you really get to tell your whole story. I know, I know that you started this company fair market. I know a little bit about what they do are, is it right? You're in New York. Did I get that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what else? So, so who yeah, are you? So and what I, are you doing? Uh, I'm a Midwestern kid at heart. I uh, grew up in Ann Arbor, wrestled at Indiana and I was actually a chemistry major. My uncle is a separations engineer at Chevron, worked at Saudi Aramco forever. And uh, so I followed down the path of, you know, trying to be a chemical engineer, maybe getting a PhD, quickly realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in a laboratory. Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> much props to uh, family members who do that. I'm glad we have uh, people. Who, little, yeah, it's good that there are yeah. people who do that. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm need a little yeah, bit yeah. more social interaction. So instead, in what life. did you do? 
Yeah. So instead, I uh, looked at being a trader for a while. Uh, spent some summers doing that. I actually didn't get a job at BP. I uh, they have a really you good trading program that I applied for growing up, uh, leaving college, and I didn't I didn't make it through the final interviews. So okay. you know, roundabout way, I got into sales, uh, yeah. and so I worked for a third party logistics firm. Uh, in Chicago, opened an office for them in Atlanta and, you know, working firsthand with big corporations, uh, you know, likes of like roundies and some other ones, you just see how backwards supply chains are. And, you know, I remember vividly like faxing paperwork, uh, for, you know, a Valentine's order of flowers coming into a port and then trying to get them out of the port so they don't wilt and people can, you know, give their loved ones some roses for the holidays and, you know, just thinking like there has to be a better way. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, seeing this just huge push in around 2014 to technology, enterprise technology, uh, I worked at a company called Turbonomic, which have, helps with uh, application workloads in the cloud. Um, the company was recently acquired by IBM, but I met my co-founder there and we noticed that no two companies are paying the same price for anything. Mm. And it's really not a matter of knowing the price. It's a matter of having the bandwidth to get a good price. Uh, because at a certain scale, you just don't have enough labor resources and enough human capital to help you do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the systems and tools are misaligned from what your CFO wants, which is, you know, best price with less people. And a lot of the systems out there, whether it's SAP, Oracle, Coupa, you name it, uh, they require a lot of humans in process to try to get to a successful result. Whereas, you know, today it's now fast forward 2022, seems like yesterday, but a lot of this data is now digitalized for the enterprise. So it, it allows organizations to be able to use that data effectively, which is, I think, the new wave of software. And you look at all the reports by Gardner, everyone, you know, CIO spend is about 10% of what the potential it could be moving to the cloud. And so there's still a huge upside for organizations to actually use this data to drive better decisions and automate process. And that's what we try to help companies tackle at Fair Market. Well, you're definitely in line with, um, I mean, that's the theme all over oil and gas right now and, and other industries as well, especially anything industrial um, is well, how do, how do we like, it's not that we haven't had data in the past. We've had plenty of it, right. But how do we do new things with it to, to be smarter and make the business better? So it, this is good though, because we talk about in the, you know, on the show and on the oil and gas tech show, we talk about that same theme and a lot of the other disciplines in, um, in the industry, but um, not as much in this one. So this is good. This is a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a different perspective. So on that perspective, Nicholas, um, this, this is, this is right in your wheelhouse at BP. I know you, I think I remember seeing you've been there for quite a few years, right? Like eight or nine or 10 years or something. All those Around 10 years. Yeah. 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 10 years. You don't, for longer than I care to remember you don't look now. like you're old enough to be anywhere for, for 10 well, years. <laughs> stop flattering me. You're spoiling me. <laughs> so, so that was a lie actually. And, um, Anyway, so tell, so what's uh, so a little bit about you and um, and what is this whole thing that you're that you're uh, neck deep in at BP that you guys are trying to do? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you know, I've always had a, a, a technical background um, right off the bat from university, um, computer science degree. So it's always been a passion of mine, and uh, probably one of relatively few procurement professionals that's always been in uh always been in procurement or or, or it you know i feel a lot of my colleagues have sort of bumped their way into procurement and mm -hmm. uh, found a home here but it's always been something that's um that's been a strong passion of mine so you know working in various procurement roles in in bp and looking at how we're t 
taking advantage of the tech wave that, that's, that's coming through. Um, and Tarek, you know, when you were talking about progression and, you know, digitization, I thought, you know, back, even thinking back five years, you know, if we were using something like DocuSign five years ago, <laughs> we were thinking, you know, we, th we thought we were ahead of the game. Yeah, that's right. And now, right. you know, fast forward to, you know, we thought we were digital. But now fast forward today. Um, so I'm looking after procurement innovation. So effectively, the role is how do we um, how, how do we digitize our buying channels? And that's um, that's supporting uh, an overall company strategy called frictionless supply chain. Yeah. Uh, and the idea behind that is, you know, how do we connect the uh, the buy the sources of supply directly to who needs them? So, you know, if I'm honest, and um, it might be a bit controversial, but no one really gets up and says, I want to deal with procurement. You know, no one really, really enjoys dealing with procurement, let's face it. No. You know, we're, we're a means to an end. I've been, I've been so on the I supply think, side uh, most of my uh -huh. career. I can tell you that, that you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, that's the... Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Procurement, you know. so what we always say was procurement is where deals go to die, is, is sort of a... Good, but, oh. yeah. I, I think one thing to add, though, is you see McKinsey releases a lot of data on this, but companies who innovate with their supply chain by far outperform their competitors in the stock market. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, uh, you know, you start seeing people like Tim Cook get promoted to be the CEO of Apple uh, with the whole PPE crisis. I think supply chain obviously is front and center in the news. And so I think really the next 10 years, there's going to be a huger influx where companies are trying to actually digitalize more and get more vertically integrated on what they buy and sell. And so being able to, for organizations to focus on that, I think it's, you know, not places where deals go to die anymore. Yeah, no, and it has to, they have to, right? Because um, it's a whole different landscape, especially in oil and gas. It's a whole, this is a whole new ballgame. We, we you know, we, we've long passed the point where we could say the way we've always done everything has worked up until now. And so, um, and the thing about, that always struck me odd about the the procurement side of, and, and don't get me wrong, some of my, uh, some of my best relationships were made in those procurement tangles. Um, uh, but the thing is, it it's not it benefits everybody. If you if you make it frictionless, like you say, or even somewhat frictionless, uh, it benefits everybody on all sides, right? It's not just it's not just it doesn't just make it easier for people to sell stuff to you. It actually makes it better for because presumably you have operations within your company that need whatever this stuff is, right? And and they're gonna and they're gonna have an advantage if they can get what they need to get more quickly, more easily, et cetera. Um, so it's, uh, so it, it's definitely, it's an area that, uh, is, is absolutely should be a priority in the whole digital transformation. But what, so what at BP, what kind of, what pushed you guys to say, okay, we need to tackle this next. Like what was, cause, cause it's also an area that is fraught with like, like complexity and risk and things like that. Right. So you can't just go in there and upset the apple cart right away. So what, what got you saying, all right, we really need to, we need to do something here. So I think, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that, that's that, that expedited this is uh you know just before the pandemic we announced our our net zero low carbon future right so we pretty much we restricted the entire organization from top to bottom uh, during the pandemic mm -hmm. uh which was interesting enough um <laughs> <Yeah>. but it, <laughs> with right. no one in the office <laughs> exactly yeah exactly um but what that restructure did is it we, we lost a lot of procurement resources you know we lost resources across the whole uh length and breadth of the company yeah. including procurement um and what that meant is we had the same amount of work to do but we had less people to do it yeah 
So then there's a, not, a lot more emphasis on how do we fill the gap? And a lot of the gap can be filled by digital, by tools. Um, and this was really what led us to, to Tarek in terms of uh, the solution that uh, Tarek, the platform that Tarek delivers and uh, the cycle time reductions and the FTE efficiencies was, was predominantly what we were looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and the, yeah, the, I mean, cycle time is a big thing all over the industry. So this is maybe a good, so I want I want to come back to how, because how, one thing that we like to do on this show is we really like to talk about how did people actually do whatever it is they did, right? How did you execute? And I know you want to talk about agility and some other stuff, but but just to kind of give people a sense of uh, what are we what are we talking about here? Um, so you went so you went to Tarek. You said these guys have something that can help us. Um, what does that look like? Like what is like if I, I look at my existing procurement organization, I say however painful it might be, we need to do something here. So you looked at what he had. What wh- so what is that? What does that look like? With skepticism, I've got to say, the first time we uh, we looked at the platform, you know, it's a great it's a great platform, but w- will it work in a in a giant complex organisation like BP? It's always the question. And, you know, that's right? always the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so you know, just touching on that agile way of working, you know, I think traditionally we would have thought about such uh, an implementation and planned it out to the nth degree mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, map scenario after scenario. But what we did with Tarek and Fair Market is we, we did a fail fast, for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we did a proof of concept. Um, and we were, we were perfectly willing just to drop it if it didn't work. You know, and, and it's that mindset and that approach that, that helped speed up the implementation and the decision, decision-making process. Yeah, yeah. So what is the... Um, so Tarek, this is a good uh, 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 chance maybe for you to say, what exactly is this thing that you're bringing in to, to people and trying to help them? I mean, you, you talked about it conceptually up front, but what are we, like, in concrete terms, what, is, what, what shows up in the middle of a procurement department uh, and, and how do things look different after, after you've done this? Yeah, the easiest way to describe it is we supercharge an organization's buyers for the people that are actually having to operate a system. So SAP or uh, Ariba, you know, it could be anything. So we have customers on every flavor of ERP, procure to pay, you name it. We even integrate with organizations that have like Smartsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, we live behind that. So the end users of the organization will never see fair market. So if somebody puts in a request today at BP, it could be within SAP in the field. It could be, you know, at Ariba when they're trying to buy IT, you name it. Uh, it comes to fair market we use the data to identify what vendors can sell this good or service anywhere in the world. We'll go out via email, get pricing for it, aggregate that pricing, and then we can you know, set up rules to actually automate the awarding process as well. So you don't have to go out and get quotes, get bids, et cetera. We'll just do it all using the data that a customer already has and other customers and other sources of data that we have that we crowdsource it. And we layer on top of it things like natural language processing. So similar to when you type in Google and you're trying to identify where the closest coffee shop is to you and say you're a fiend for Starbucks and you go all the time, Google will populate the closest Starbucks. So it's the same type of logic on top of a search engine that we bring to an organization's database. Got it. So, um, so, so you're sitting behind, um, let's say Ariba. Um, and, uh, so I, so am I am I using Ariba as kind of just a pass through at that point? Like the uh, like like the user interacts with Ariba. All this all this smart stuff happens behind the scenes. Um, but if the user isn't seeing 
fair market. That means you got you to gotta map all that back into whatever it is that Ariba wants to know in order to present back to the, in their workflows, the way they've designed them in Ariba, right? Is that? Yeah. And that's one of the hardest. I, I was going to say that's, we've had that build. sounds like the hard part right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all the companies even look at a company like Coupa, they use a middleware. Uh, so they'll use something like MuleSoft right, or, or right. Boomi, someone like that. Uh, and so we actually built that in-house. Uh, and it was one of the, the harder technical things we've had to do. But the good thing is once you build it once, you don't have to re- reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But it's a huge differentiator for you know us as a company is that we can integrate in less than 30 days. Uh, so to Nicholas's point when he's like, yeah, I don't believe this. That's one of the hardest parts yeah. we try to convince customers of. It's like, hey, you know, we can actually tie into this in 30 days. And they're like, you know, I'm using an on-prem IBM mainframe computer to do all this. And right, it's like, right, right. you know, hey, guess what? We actually can do it. And being able to execute on that, I think, uh, Nicholas alluded to it, um, but they truly are a world-class organization and being able to try technology at scale, uh, see if this works, and then think how they can roll it out in different organizations. Uh, and that's why I was really excited to uh, have this conversation today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so Nicholas, yeah, I can understand your skepticism. Um, so what? Um, so you did a proof of concept. Um, how, how did you... Uh, this is another thing that, especially in the... <laughs> all the digital transformation efforts that are happening all over the industry for the last four years. Um, you know, there's lots and lots of proof of concepts that have been done. Um, not so many of them that have ever, uh, um, you know, been deployed and operated at scale. And sometimes it's not because the POC failed, but it's because they just didn't, right. Getting from the lab to the wild is a whole nother problem. So how did you, how did you go about, um, kind of sizing up what was going to be the right proof of concept that if it was successful, you knew that you could carry on from there. Was that, is that part of the thought process? Yeah, for sure. And let me just start by saying I'm kind of paid to be a little bit skeptical, you know, I work in procurement, so <laughs> right. I'm going to kick the tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, in, in this case, you know, I, we went for the low hanging fruit, I think for want of a better phrase, yeah. you know, we looked at which commodity, um, which category w- would be most fit for, for, for this kind of platform. Um, and we started with a small pilot in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did have a view to say if it, if it, if and when it is successful, here's how we're going to incorporate new categories and scale out from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we were also mindful. The organization is, is fatigued from change. Mm-hmm. You know, we just gone through this whole reorganization um, we're introducing a, another tool on top of that. You know, there's a, there's a, an awareness, there's a, an adoption um, a factor that we needed to, to, to work in. Um, but what we wanted to do with Fair Market is, is sprinkle a bit, a bit fairy dust on what we're doing yeah. and build up a little bit of interest so that people are asking, you know, wow, what is this tool? How does it help me? When can I use it? Yeah, yeah, it's funny you said fairy dust because I was thinking um... – yeah, probably the first step was just to kind of like prove out the magic a little bit, right? And and see that exactly. Um, well, yeah, I will say one thing that BP has done phenomenally is they are solving a digital transformation goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So they start with a business case, or they'll start with some type of objective they're trying to achieve that has a meaningful impact, and then they'll work their way down to see what process tools, etc., can solve for that. Right. Versus. You know, I see it a lot, but there's a lot of organizations out there that are like, 
hey, we want to digitally transform our business and they'll just like grasp at straws without some type of income that they're trying or outcome that they're trying to derive at. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, that linear thought of trying to work towards a business objective is what really makes organizations successful. Yeah, it's um, I mean, fortunately, I think we're seeing that that was certainly the motif early on 2017, 2018, even 2019. I I think I think we're seeing less of that. as, as a lot of companies are starting to figure out, um, you know, those, and this is not the first time we've ever, uh, tried to teach ourselves the lesson that we shouldn't do technology for technology's sake, right? That we've been trying to learn that lesson for, for many years. But, um, but the fact is, is that, uh, really cool, innovative stuff comes out and people feel like they need to be using it or they need to be doing something with it. So, so I'm with you on the, um, starting with the, that business approach, but that speaks to a whole nother thing, right? Which is, um, which is culture and Nicholas, you were kind of, you started to you started to talk about this a little bit because I was thinking, all right, the next thing is get a consensus, right? And and like you said, the people are already tired from everything else that's been going on, um, you know. And now you want to change all this other stuff. How do you? Um, I, so so there are two different schools on 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 this. One is you roll out this big formal sort of change management adoption program, and the other one is you just kind of do it organically, grassroots. What what did uh, what did you find to be the most useful, or is there a third uh, option that I, I'm not thinking about? I think there's a bit of a hybrid between the two. Yeah. To be honest, um, you know, we did uh, we introduced it fairly organically to start with, and and started to see what the results were. And socializing that around other areas of the business, other categories that it could apply to mm-hmm. in building up an interest. Um, and then enabling the tool to be to be used in those spaces. So it, in, a, in a programmatic way, right? So it didn't just sort of accidentally land across BP and scale. Oh, there was some thought behind yeah, yeah, it, yeah. but we tried to allow that to happen as organically as possible. Right, right. What, what about, um, so another thing that comes into play here is that people always talk about is um leadership you know um you know you have to if you want these things to be successful you have to have executive uh not just executive buy-in but executive uh you know leadership spearheading uh whatever whatever the word is you want to use um and uh which actually a lot of people uh get frustrated with because then, you know, they're kind of afraid of, well, as soon as you do that, then executives begin to have expectations. And then sometimes those expectations are unrealistic. And now, you know, we just got ourselves like, uh, how is, is any of that, how do, like, how do you navigate that whole, not just going out across the categories, but the whole kind of top to bottom, keeping everybody in sync and aligned with what you, what you are doing, what you can do, what to expect, things like that. Mm. I, I think it's for, for us, we, we had the wind behind us because people knew that we had a significantly smaller organization, but the same amount of work. Yeah. So we were looking for a, a gap to, uh, to plug a tool to plug the gap rather. Um, so that was helpful. What really helped it land and, and helped increase the adoption was just that transparency. You know, did you know this is what fair market does? You know, these are the results we're having. This is how it's going to make your life easier. And really, if people are understanding that and, and hearing that, then it's a lot easier, and you know they're a lot more open for it to be uh, done to them, as it were. <laughs> done, yeah. When I when I was in consulting, we used to uh, we always used to try to you know one of the like the fun things to say to prospective clients was we'd say, okay, 
unlike other consulting companies, we want to do this with you rather than doing it to you. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of, yeah, like we're working this together. So, which brings to mind, so Tarek, um, so you, Fair Market's fairly new, right? It's a few years, something like that? Uh, yeah, we're coming up on our fifth year. Okay, all right, so not that new. Um, but but being as, you know, a relatively uh, new startup, um, you've got an innovative product. It's not something that you can't say that, uh, that there's 10 other people out there doing it. So you're doing what they're doing. Um, um, it, it has to walk into a large organization like BP and, uh, um, or, or, you know, any others that you worked with, it, like, it's not for the faint of heart, right? Like you're confident in your solution, but, but this is, uh, like, like if you, if you, if you win, if you win at BP, you're going to win big. If you fail, you're going to fail big. Um, what, how do you, how do you, uh, so how do you go in and, and, and work with somebody like Nicholas and uh, kind of help navigate to a, a point where you feel like you're all, you're all going to be successful? Yeah, so I see a lot of startups uh, try to stay away from the enterprise in software today. It's scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I actually think that's the opposite of what a lot of organizations should be doing. Yeah. Um, because if you can solve... A lot of companies try to solve the problem for mid-market or S&B, mm-hmm, right. uh, but it's someday, you know, those company and their client base are going to be large enterprises. Yeah. And the problems large enterprises see are, you know, obviously 20 times, 100 times, 1,000 times X of what those small businesses are doing. So when you solve the problem for someone big, you're able to solve the problem someday for someone little. Um, but really, I think it's setting the expectations and the plan. So I think one thing, you know, we do with all our customers is build what the business impact is trying to be. And that takes a look at the data, looks at, you know, what what they're trying to achieve from an operational standpoint, really setting up a framework or a plan forward of the goals that we're going to hit. Uh, and then it's just really upon execution, you know, so it's like we have the technology, but we want to deliver business impact that they can actually sell internally and have as a project. Because when you start with an organization like BP, you're obviously... Very few times are they rolling it out enterprise wide. Yeah. So you have to continually, you know, it's it's like a continuous sales cycle, and you know, there's really no option to fail. It's to succeed. And so, you know, we, we view our partnership with all of our clients, especially you know, BP is, you know, it's our most important client. And you know, any time of day, we're always going to be available. And I think you know, we work with people in Malaysia, and we'll hop on calls at four or three a.m. if we have to, Eastern Standard. Um, and so it's really all hands on deck, but it's making sure that we deliver the best possible client experience. And then we do what we say we're going to do and we exceed expectations. Uh, because I think that's, you know, well, from what I see, I mean, that's the, that's how successful companies, like you look at Amazon, it's customer first, Yeah, yeah. you know, in their mantra, people are working on doors, uh, like literal doors to get their thrifty culture and customer first, uh, attitude. And I think, you know, as long as we carry that culture through our organization, that our customers always right. And we want to help our customers succeed at their job and look good. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, hopefully the results of how we do as an organization will speak for that. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that the, the, the best things is laying out a plan, executing the plan, and then, you know, making sure that you course correct and, you know, not all these things are going to go smooth and things are going to be great. It's how do we adapt to that change and how do we quickly rectify it? Even if, you know, our engineering team needs to pull all nighters for a week straight. Yeah. Which they love. I know. Um, uh, well, they haven't thrown you out yet. Right. So you've been at this, uh, so you've been at this for, I, what did you guys say for, uh, you started it last year. So is it, is it uh, the better part of a year or something like that since you, since you guys started working together? I think you're nodding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, 
So what, um, so we're, so I don't know, we're eight, nine months into it, something like that. And, uh, you still like each other. So that's a good, that's a good sign. Yeah. You're doing podcasts together. And what about, so presumably now we're starting to see some, some, uh, benefits, right. Coming out of the, out of the initiative. So, um, uh, what, what, and there's always, there's always the benefits that you expect to get. And then the benefits that you actually get, um, many projects over the years end up, you know, coming up a little short. Um, so just talk a little bit, or Nicholas, what were you expecting? And you, and you talked about reduced cycle times and all that, but, but quantitatively, how's it going in terms of your, um, you know, beginning to realize those, uh, the, the benefits that you set out to hit? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, given the backdrop, um, doing doing more with less, the primary goal of this was was FTE efficiency. Right. So, you know, cycle time reduction, uh, making freeing up our, our our remaining people to work on really value add strategic um, strategic sourcing. Um, so, it absolutely allowed that to happen, and you know, it, it exceeded our expectations in that space. But what we've also seen, looking back at the data, is you know some of the more aspirational benefits um, are, are huge. You know things like access to data. So every transaction that flows through the platform, um, fair market are collecting data points and, and creating insights. Um, one of those is a, a really useful insight where the platform has identified. Um, a saving and where BP hasn't taken that saving. So it's gone with um, a bid that's higher than the lowest cost, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more than the lowest cost. You know, what is that difference? So right now we're on about four or 5% difference between the lowest cost and aggregate what BP, what BP pays. And we're using that data to say, you know, why is that? Why haven't we gone with the lowest bid, the lowest viable bid? And quite often it may be that, we can't move fast enough, so we can't put a contract in place quick enough before the stakeholder needs it. And we're using that now to say, you know what, let's go out and put proactive contracts in place, places with these suppliers, so that next time the demand right. comes around, right. they can just do it straight away. Um, it's other things like, you know, this stakeholder, he never chooses the lowest, or she never chooses the lowest, because he's or, he or she has already got a, pref, a preferred supplier, yeah. so they're kind of just going through the system. We can use that to work into our category strategy, so we influence the stakeholders and let them know the benefits. So f- for me, you know, it's delivered the, the primary um, efficiencies, but we've got a, a number of uh, stellar secondary benefits, which, um, which are brilliant. Yeah, the, lo- the longer-term benefit of those things, right? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. so just the fact that you even know that there's a 4% difference between the lowest viable bid and what you typically pay, I, I would I would wager, mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're in the procurement business, but it, it, it's, it's not common for people to even be able to get numbers like that very easily, is it? I don't think so. No, you could do it on a personal basis if you had a pad big enough, but, you know, yeah. across the whole category of spend, I mean, it's... Yeah. These these are stuff that we would never have dreamed of. of yeah. So so and, yeah. Go ahead. And selfishly for us as an organization, you know, making our clients successful, being able to identify that and then executing and delivering it, you know, it makes them look great internally as well, uh, and gives them when they want to try another digitalization project, gives them legs to stand on to try something. Right. So to your mm-hmm. point, it doesn't burn your metal with the executive stakeholder or the sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So th- there's a. I mean. 
So the prevailing trend in, in, in digital ambitions across all the different disciplines in oil and gas right now, right, is, is, um, is sort of there's, there's, there's this immediate endeavor to reduce cycle times or automate something or get people out of the red zones or, you know, whatever, or, or to get better, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, better steering on a well or to get better readings on, you know, what's coming into the refinery. Um, so there's, uh, and that's kind of like the, the immediate benefit. And then, and then at the same time, everybody's saying, and by the way, with all this data that were, that, that probably was there already, but we didn't really know how to access it or we didn't know how to, you know, tabulate it or calculate it. Um, we also want to use that to, make us smarter, you know, better, smarter, long-term look at how we um, can change the way we work, you know, o- over time. So, um, so Nicholas, this is kind of what you're talking about, right? Is, is now, now all of a sudden you're getting, you're going to have access to insights that are not mm-hmm. just going to save time right now in the, in the process, but uh, it's going to give you, it's going to give you information and insights and, and, and knowledge and everything about what you do going forward. I, you know, that's not really a question. I <laughs> just observing. I mean, that's the trend in the industry. So like, what else are you thinking? And, and I don't know, maybe Nicholas, maybe it's what else you're thinking at BP about, about what else we could be doing long-term or Tark, maybe it's kind of part of your, of part of your roadmap that says in the future, we want to, this is how we want to be able to help people. What, what does that sort of future of procurement look like? So, so the reason I, I, I use that example um, it's twofold. You know, we, there's an immediate benefit to to the insights that that, that data is generating. Um, but for me, the the most powerful one is, you know, that that dashboard didn't exist until Tarek and I had a chat, and we thought, you know, hey, could you you collect this? So can you show that? Um, and for me, that's a much more powerful example to to share. Because you know, for my for my immediate team, you know, if anyone else has a an idea of an insight that maybe gen- we aren't getting now, but can be generated through the tool, you know, just whack it over to Fair Market, and if they can, they'll pull a dashboard together. So you know, it's a it's very much a mindset change. You know, we're used to products and services that are um, are, are fed to us. You know, this is your dashboard, and this is your box, and here's where you need to operate. But with this new way of working, if we have an idea that's outside of the box. You know, we just give it across the fair market two weeks, and uh, you know we're, we're getting the the benefits. <laughs> you, so for me, that's a really powerful. So, so Tarek, he just set the baseline for you. Now, all, all of your customers going forward are gonna are gonna expect two week dashboards. <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> I mean, you know, if we're if we're able to track even sooner than that, I would be a happy founder. So, um, but yeah, for in terms of what we want to deliver on next, it's being able to use this insights to, you know, you always get the term predictive, but what does that really mean? It's being able to actually offer recommendations based on some of that data. And that's one of the things we're looking at building with BP next is how do we start taking this data and saying, okay, you know, that 4% Delta, how do we get it down to 2%? Uh, it might be the time of year you buy. It's how you buy, when you buy, um, you know, when you get to a complex organization like BP, things like inventory uh, matter. Uh, it's like, you know, different things that you can play around with your cash flow analysis. So how do we, take that data in and then how do we offer up suggestions and better data to drive that forward for an organization like BP so that, 
some of the guessing or some of the analysis that they have to do with the data, we can offload. So they're better able to focus on other things of the business. Like, you know, you're never going to be able to influence a category management strategy without engaging your stakeholders. Uh, And so that human interaction of engagement is something, you know, Nicholas should be working on, not necessarily combing through data and being like, hey, when's the best time of the year to buy this? And so the more we can offload things like that for our customers, the more successful we'll be and they'll be in the long run. Yeah. Um, You touched on something that is also another theme that is growing more and more um, across the industry with a lot of this stuff, which is um, beginning to take what you've done to uh, in a particular domain or a particular discipline or a particular function and then begin to, um, to then to connect those digital uh, those new digitalized uh, ways of doing things across you know uh, with other processes other functions other domains etc and then what kind of and, and in fact there's a lot of people there's a lot of uh, kind of conventional wisdom right now that says the industry is not really truly going to realize the full benefit of digital transformation until we begin to think end to end throughout the the business, right? Instead of just in particular pockets. So, um, is any of that? Uh, are, are those? Are, are you kind of like sticking your head up and looking at any of those aspirations uh, in terms of what else is? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening in other areas related to this, right? And a lot of people come up with interesting solutions that connect different parts of the business so is that is is it is is that sort of like out there like we like we're not ready to think about that yet or is some of that stuff already on the horizon no it's already on the roadmap and it's on us to execute quickly um because you know as a smaller organization we're nimble we're able to build code quickly we're able to execute for our clients it's taking that data in and then building on the roadmap so things like you know front-end intake making it easier for frictionless procurement for end users uh, you know, if you look in the market today, a lot of people shop all over at different punch outs, different websites, they'll go to Amazon, right. it's all over the place. And it's not a great buying experience. If you're, you know, a petroleum engineer, you don't want to just comb through different e portals and figure out what you need to buy if it's something like a pipette, or, you know, 100,000 pipettes, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's easier ways to do things. And so, you know, that's on our roadmap, looking at how customers buy and sell. Uh, so being able to be an intermediate, you know, when BP doesn't want to have to set up all those contracts, can they just go to fair market and we can manage some of that for them? So it's really looking at that. And I will say as like a macro point, you know, at least from my perspective, I think we're 5% of where we'll be. Uh, and, you know, as you grow older, time seems to always move faster. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I think over the next five to 10 years, it's going to start really picking up speed. Uh, and definitely with this work from home digitalization, it's forcing everybody to pick up speed. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of noise out there, but as long as you stay true to like what the business case is and the impact of it. So being able to identify savings or being able to actually produce those reduced cycle times when you can actually quantify that as a technology company, uh, you're able to drive the impact that much further across other areas as well. Sure. Yeah. That is, um, you know, uh, that's the difference between inventing something really cool and actually commercializing it, right? And and bringing it to market in a um, in a valuable way. So so this is good. I I wanted to. Um, uh, it, I mean, it's it's interesting to see that in the whole span of uh, um, digital transformation, or you know, people are now using other words, whatever. Used to, we used to call these things something besides before we started saying digital, but. Um, uh, and it it also what you're doing. So Nicholas, what what you're doing there at BP really 
um, especially in procurements, helps uh, carry the flag for this notion that because you know the oil and gas industry gets uh, has always gotten a lot of criticism for being you know, behind the times and slow to change. And we don't, we always, you know, we want to do it and, you know, big and cumbersome and, and all of that. But, um, but we're tackling that in, and there are some reasons for a lot of that, right? Because the industry is complex and there's a lot of risk involved and there's huge amounts of capital at stake in people's lives and all that, but we're tackling it in different areas. Um, um, and, and procurement as, you know, and we kind of joked around a little at the beginning, but, you know, procurement is one of those areas where, uh, you know, it's not for the faint of heart to go in there and try to like change the way people work. Um, are, are you seeing, uh, and, and certainly what BP is doing is, is, um, you're probably ahead of the pack, but is, is the pack behind you? Is this sort of a broad movement, do you think, within the industry to tackle this area as well as all the other exciting things like like drilling and completions and production and stuff like that? So I can I can talk for uh, our, our overall strategy. So look, I, I think for a long time BP's been supply led. Mm-hmm. So you know we produce a hydrocarbon and put it out there in the market and you know, people will take it. Yeah. They're not hard to sell, those well, molecules. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, but now we're moving towards, uh, with our reinvention, a more demand-led uh, organization. So looking at where the demand is, we're looking at working with um, regions, cities, and, and, and building other solutions, uh, and, and much more customer-led. Um, and that, as a group strategy coming through, is, is trickled down into areas like procurement um, to be more customer-centric. So, you know, when Tarek talks about um, you know, being uh, customer-led and um, putting the customer first. That's the way that we like to work in, in procurement as well um, and taking continual feedback from our processes and the way we show up to the rest of the organization and um, and make, make it customer-centric. So, you know, I think by way of closing, there's a lot that digital can do to, to help with that um, uh, you know, being moving towards a more digital sort of cu- customer-led. So I've lost my trailer. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I was I was with I you. Was I was wondering where to take I was that. with you the whole time. Yeah, actually, yeah. what I was thinking about is so this idea of customer centricity in the industry is kind of new, right? And I've actually had we've had a few episodes, uh, I think, on the show and on the on the tech show where people have said. Um, where I've had like the like um, like a couple of guys from Salesforce, right, and and mm-hmm. people are like, well, oil and gas show what what Salesforce doing there? We don't have customers in this industry, and that has sort of historically been the the notion, right? But this notion of customer centricity and defining a customer relationship in in various places along the supply chain or the demand mm-hmm. or whatever is is it's kind of new, right, for the industry, but it's but it's necessary because as you said, the landscape is changing. It's not it's not the same old business as it was before so that uh I, that that works well for you is it so that's the prevailing kind of notion around throughout the company right in all the different areas yeah for sure and um it, you know it's not it, there's a difference for me between digitizing your processes uh, and automating some stuff right and truly being a digital organization which we're we're absolutely striving for within bp at the moment um, and having that, you know, customer centric approach. Yeah. 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 That is the, um, yeah. In fact, that's the, that's what's been coming out of the, uh, the big consulting firms and the think tanks most recently is this notion of moving from, I think, what do they say from, from digital programs to digital business, I think is the, mm-hmm. is kind of the, or one of the, one of the catchphrases that they're using. So that, it, that uh, plays right along. Um, 
so 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 we are wrapping up actually I'm, I'm glad you and you also did a nice segue to wrapping up which which i appreciate because sometimes <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i have to do that myself um Tark, what else uh like like before we uh before we wrap up what anything else that uh yeah, people just gotta know if they're if they're tackling this kind of stuff no i think uh you know taking a customer-centric approach and just it's 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 really cheesy, but trying things and failing fast, uh, it, it's easier said than done. Uh, so sometimes you have to push yourself out of the comfort zone, and it's always a pleasure working with Nicholas and people that really take ownership in their business yeah. and take that mod out of heart and do it. Um, I'd say you know eight out of ten companies aren't so lucky to have people right. like Nicholas working for them. Uh, so it's always a pleasure to you know spend what I consider the majority of my life getting, you know, getting to work with people like that because it pushes you and pushes your business as well. So Nicholas, did you get that? He just committed the majority of his life to you. I'm not sure if. Yeah. You, you might, well, like not majority of the life. Point. I like to do things outside of, outside of <laughs> Eight work, out of 10. <laughs> I mean, who are these other two companies, yeah. Tarek? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, the one, the last thing is I usually ask uh, people um, and I, I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to warn you about this in advance and I forgot uh, so that you could think of something. So, uh, but we like to put in the show notes when I like to put links to, you know, where can people learn more? So if I just, if I'm just out there and I'm working in procurement and, I, and I'm saying, what is, uh, um, I need, like, this is great. This, like, how do I learn more about this? Obviously I can go to, I, it's fairmarket.com, I think, right? Is the, that's, that's. Uh, yep. And my email is just Tarek at fairmarket.com. Fairmarket, that's, it's fairmarket with a K-I-T. Um, yep. Like another company that has that that word um and uh is there uh anything is like like nicholas do you know is is bp talking publicly about some of this digital strategy are there sort of are they are they are they uh, putting anything out there that people can read about and and learn yeah if you look at um if an offshoot of bp.com um, we set out our, our overall group strategy and how digital is underpinning that um lots of useful videos content okay good um, good good Stories. So we'll put um, so we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. But uh, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Really, uh, I thanks thanks for making time today. Appreciate uh, uh, it's good stuff, and uh, we will um, we will maybe we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll have to come back, you know, in a in a in a few months and 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 get an update and see how it's going, what other magical things are, are happening because I think it's good for people to kind of hear. Uh, it's good for people to hear about people succeeding. So I appreciate you guys making time today. Thank you so much for having us. All right, thank you. Thank you. And there you go. A digital transformation coming even to the very complex and difficult world of oil and gas procurement. Definitely. I know uh, I am looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing more, more of that happened uh, with the stuff that BP is doing is fantastic. Everybody needs to do it. And I think we're all going to be a lot happier. All right. That is going to wrap it up for today. Thanks again to our sponsor, HPE. Uh, please uh, have a look, have a look at what they're doing. Cause I'm telling you they can help. Also uh, thanks to all the OGGN uh, team for all the great hard work, most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. Don't forget to follow OGGN wherever you follow us. Probably LinkedIn is the best place because we got some great stuff coming up this year. There's some new things that I can't even tell you about, but they're happening this year. So, so keep tabs on what we're doing so you don't miss out. And uh, anytime, anytime at all that you want to hear more great stories and more good insights about all of the digital 
ambitions across the industry, you know that you can come right here to this podcast and listen to people in the real world talk about getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Thank you.